This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening and tuning in. This is the last podcast I'm going to put out before the election. So I'm going to use this opportunity to make a closing argument on why Americans, you included, should vote for Donald Trump. I'm not going to gloss over his flaws. They are real. They are important. However... I will make the case that he is the best choice in this election for the future of this nation and for your family. Let's start with the third-party candidates, Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. Jill Stein is the nominee of the Green Party, and while she has been able to identify some real problems in this nation, the problems like the corruption of big business, the tendency of Hillary Clinton to get us into wars that end badly, the stagnation of the economy. She's able to see those problems, but all of her solutions to fight these problems are all about more big government. And you cannot fight big business with big government because ultimately big government becomes dependent upon big business for its survival. Big government needs the money that big business can provide. Look, if you go back to the 1980s, big business and the wealthy elite were more likely to support Republicans than they were Democrats. But as more and more Republicans turned away from big government under the Reagan revolution, big business went in search of a new party to control. So today, Wall Street supports the Democrat Party more than the Republican Party. The, the real irony is that the Democrats are holding a coalition that consists of both the Occupy Wall Street crowd and Wall Street executives at the same time. Hillary has received record amounts of donation from big business. Trump has received record support from small donors. So the point is that if you try to use big government to defeat big business, what will happen is that big business will simply buy out government and corrupt the very reforms big government professes it wants to make. Jill Stein has identified some real problems in America, but her solutions will only exacerbate those problems. But the biggest reason not to vote for any Green Party candidate is that their number one issue for the Green Party is a problem that doesn't actually exist. See, the the Green Party wants to fight man-made global warming. They will say they want to stop climate change, but that's just dumb. You can't stop climate from changing. Climate always changes, always has, always will. The, the, The potential problem with climate would be if man were changing the climate of Earth in drastic and harmful ways. We aren't, at least not globally. There are some issues with deforestation in particular parts of the planet. Land use changes can and do affect climate on a local level. But as for man-made catastrophic global warming, that's not happening. I don't have time to get on into all the science behind it in this podcast. I've done several global warming podcasts in the past. You can go listen to them for all the details. I did a five-part series last December. They are all still available for you to listen to. If, if you want to get more information on that or if you doubt me on this point, just go listen to all those podcasts. But the biggest issue for the Green Party is the least important issue to most Americans, according to several surveys. And that's because it's not only not a dangerous problem, 
It's actually largely fiction. So the bottom line on Jill Stein is that her biggest issue doesn't actually exist in the real world, and her solutions to the real problems we face will actually make those problems worse. Let's move on to the Libertarians. I had thought this would be a very good opportunity for the Libertarian Party because of the candidates nominated by the two major parties. Instead, this is looking like a missed opportunity because of the quality of the Libertarian candidates themselves. Gary Johnson and Bill Weld have turned out to be horrible standard bearers for the Libertarian Party. Ignore for a moment the gaffes that Johnson made on national television and went viral on social media, where he didn't know what Aleppo was. It's, by the way, a city in Syria central to that nation's civil war, the fight against ISIS, the refugee crisis, all that. He couldn't name a single current leader of another country he admired. That, that's another interview that also went viral. But those are just gaffes. They are politically damaging, but not necessarily damning evidence of poor leadership skills or judgment. They just, okay, he had a bad day twice. All right. I do like his idea of replacing the income tax with a consumption tax or a sales tax, essentially. I think that's a good idea. Let's not discourage people from making money. We can discourage excessive spending on a family level. Using tax laws to encourage making money and saving money is a good idea for our nation's fiscal security. I think that's fine. He opposes Common Core. That's good. He opposes cap and trade. That's good. He's in favor of expanding energy production. That's good. But his solution to climate change, which he does think is man-made, is for us to start inhabiting other planets. I'm serious, not making this up. He says in the long-term view, the sun's going to expand in a couple billion years anyway, so in order to combat global warming, we need to colonize space. <laughs> he just does some weird, goofy unexplainable things in interviews over and over and over and over again. It makes it look like the, pos the policy positions he supports on the party's webpage weren't written or read by him. Yes, I agree with most libertarian ideas. I'm just not sure, based upon Johnson's performance in interviews, that the ideas in his head are tightly tethered to reality. And then there's Bill Weld. He's a former establishment Republican, governor of Massachusetts. Listen to this interview with Rachel Maddow in MSNBC. That what you and Gary Johnson are really aiming at this year is that 5% threshold to try to get some federal matching funds, to try to get ballot access and all those other things, basically so the libertarians might be viable in the future. Is I think in the, in the real world, that's probably, uh, that's probably correct. That would give uh, federal matching funds. It would mean no more ballot access woes. Yeah, that's right. The libertarian vice presidential candidate is only hoping to get 5% of the vote so that the Libertarian Party can get, wait for it, government assistance. The Libertarians are hoping for government assistance. Wow. Honestly, that wasn't the worst part of the interview. Bill Weld is making Admiral Stockdale look like Teddy Roosevelt. You don't know who Admiral Stockdale is, don't worry. We didn't either back in 1992 when Ross Perot made him his running mate. Let's move on to Hillary Clinton. Starting with policy, there's not one single issue in which Hillary significantly differs from Barack Obama. She has essentially the exact same policy plans he's been trying to implement. She has no change to the economy. 
She wants to raise taxes on the rich, just like Obama did. That will damage the economy, which is already very fragile. She wants to, quote, fix Obamacare. But see, there's no way to fix it. It's a flawed concept from the beginning. Her fixes are essentially everyone in America gets put on a version of Medicaid. That's what single payer really is. It's a bigger disaster than Obamacare, which has already caused tremendous damage to our economy and American families. Her immigration plans are the exact same as Obama's. If you can get here, you can stay here. Not only will that take away the entry-level jobs upon which millions of Americans depend, essentially young and inner-city Americans especially, but it will increase crime and increase the threat of terrorism here at home. And yes, all illegal aliens are, by definition, criminals. But some of them will commit worse crimes than simply ignoring our immigration laws. That's already been happening and will continue to happen as long as her and Obama's open border policies remain. Her nominees to the Supreme Court will not be people who believe that words written in the Constitution and in laws passed by Congress have any real meaning. They will be jurists who won't simply apply the logic of the written text of a law, but will interpret legal reasoning based upon popular opinion. If the actual words used in legal documents don't have any solid meaning but can be changed based upon personal opinion, then there is no such thing as the rule of law. There is only the rule of the mob. If Hillary Clinton had spent this campaign recommending a return to the policies her husband enacted, like work, welfare to work and a balanced budget, she would have been a better choice. But she hasn't. She hasn't disagreed with anything President Barack Obama has done, and he hasn't done anything that's made this country better. On the foreign policy front, she's just as bad. The Russians do not respect her. They don't fear her. That is a dangerous place for America to be. Just ask JFK what happens when the Russians don't think you are competent or powerful. Her Russian reset button gimmick was the worst example of an incompetence when it comes to U.S.-Russian relations since the Bay of Pigs invasion. And since the Russians don't have respect or fear of us, they invaded the Ukraine without fear of retribution. Her policy to bomb Libya was a disaster, and it was her policy that was driven. We shouldn't have gotten involved helping to topple Gaddafi after he gave up his weapons of mass destruction, sent a message to every other evil dictator in the world that cooperating with the U.S. would eventually get you killed. Worse, it led to a power vacuum which has been filled in part by ISIS. She didn't plan at all for what happened the day after regime change came to Tripoli. How the hell did she fail to learn the biggest lesson from the second Gulf War? That you have to plan for what to do after the government falls. And that plan had better work the first time. How could she have failed to have learned that lesson? Her failure to plan got four Americans killed. She likes to say we toppled the Libyan dictator without losing a single American life. That is a lie. Our ambassador and three other men died on the anniversary of 9-11. 
She then lied to the American people about what happened that night in Benghazi. It was a lie designed to get Barack Obama reelected, and it worked. She was able to fool at least half of the nation that the attack wasn't a damning indictment against his administration. Her biggest foreign policy success was that she was in the Situation Room the night we killed Osama bin Laden. So what? How is sitting in a room watching a TV screen evidence of excellent leadership? She didn't kill bin Laden. She didn't issue the order to kill bin Laden. She just happened to be in the same room. So what? To quote Mrs. Clinton, what difference does it make at this point anyway? Those reasons I've listed are enough not to vote for Hillary Clinton. Those reasons alone should have convinced the entire Bush family to stay out the Clintons. But the biggest reason not to vote for Hillary is that she is simply the most corrupt person to ever run for president. She is under investigation by the FBI again for her illicit and illegal use of her private email server to send, receive, and store top-secret information. The server was likely hacked by foreign agents, giving our enemies the names of CIA operatives in the field. She was more concerned about keeping her secrets safe from you than she was about keeping America's secrets safe from the Russians, Chinese, North Koreans, and Iranians. At the same time, she ran a pay-for-play scheme through the State Department and the Clinton Foundation that enriched her and her family in exchange for access to the highest levels of our federal government. That scheme is also under investigation by the FBI. If she is elected, one of the first pieces of business for the new Congress will be to initiate impeachment proceedings against her. She will be a lame duck president from day one. If she survives impeachment and indictment, she won't have any ability to cooperate with Congress. There will be no goodwill. If she's removed from office, Tim Kaine will become president and he will be just as ineffective as Ford was. A vote for Hillary Clinton is a vote for proven failure and incompetence combined with corruption and paranoid secrecy followed by partisan gridlock. Worse than at any time since 1860. Why the hell would you vote for that? Ever. This leaves us with Donald Trump. Personally, I don't like him. I think he's a jerk. He's undisciplined with his mouth. And that's not a good trait for a president. He's too defensive and he's resistant to criticism. He's easily sidetracked. However, he has some very good ideas for what this country needs. And he has a track record as a businessman of accomplishing huge successes. And that's what we need at this time. Success. His list of potential nominees for the Supreme Court are excellent. That list is filled with people who are constitutionalist in their legal decision-making. To those individuals, words have meaning. That will help preserve your freedom. An activist court takes away freedom. The Constitution takes the government's power to abuse us away. Trump's nominees will be better for you and for your family than Hillary's will be. 
Trump is right about the economy being rigged against you. Everything in our economy, from tax laws to trade deals to Obamacare to regulations, helps big business and hurts small business and individual workers. Everything. You can't afford to hire the lawyers and accountants it takes to jump through all the loopholes and red tape to be successful. Only big business can. That's why during this so-called recovery, the stock market has been soaring while you haven't gotten a raise. The system is designed to hurt you. Trump sees that, and he has plans to change it. Illegal immigration hurts you. It does this in three ways. One, it takes away low-level or entry-level jobs. If you've ever been looking for a job and you can't find one because you don't have experience, but you can't get experience because you don't have a job, then you've been hurt by illegal immigration. Taking away those low-paying jobs makes it harder to get into the job market in the first place. That's why illegal immigration hurts black youths the most. Teenage and 20-somethings living in the inner city are losing out on opportunity to people who legally shouldn't be here in the first place. Second, it raises the cost of services. From emergency rooms to welfare, illegal immigrants drain public funds more than they put in. We are spending more on health care for illegal aliens than we are for our own vets. It's wrong on so many levels. And finally, illegal immigrants increase crime. Any crime committed by an illegal alien is a crime that should have never happened. Yes, illegal aliens have committed rape, assault, robberies, and even murders. None of it should have happened, ever. But your government on both the federal and local levels decided that being politically correct was more important than your safety. Trump will not make the same mistake. Donald Trump will get rid of both Common Core and Obamacare. Both have been harmful to our nation, although clearly Obamacare is an order of magnitude more harmful than Common Core has been. It's not only unaffordable, the Affordable Care Act. Not only unaffordable, it prevents access to care. It's a drain on our economy. It's just a god-awful idea. Trump will repeal it and replace it, and at this point, anything other than single-payer will be a move in the right direction. Trump scares the hell out of other nations. That's a good thing. For too long, our enemies have not been threatened by us, so they've done whatever they wanted to do, from invading Ukraine to building centrifuges to creating military bases on man-made islands in the South Pacific. No one feared us. They do fear Trump. Again, that's a step in the right direction. Finally, if you think that Trump is going to try and do something outrageous and unconstitutional, who do you think Congress will have a better ability to contain, Hillary or Trump? I think a Republican-controlled Congress, and the Republicans are going to hold on the House, I think they're going to be better able to keep Trump in check than they would be to keep Hillary in check. Everybody makes mistakes. Some people learn from them, some don't. Hillary didn't learn from the mistakes she made in the second Gulf War. She hasn't learned that it's not okay to lie to the American people on a regular basis. You would have thought that her husband's impeachment over perjury would have taught her that, but no, it hasn't. 
Trump has learned from his mistakes, both as a politician and as a businessman. No president gets through four years without making errors, but who learns from those errors and finds a better path? And who doubles down on dishonesty and corruption? Neither Jill Stein nor Gary Johnson would be a good president. Hillary would be an awful president and immediately cause a constitutional crisis leading to unprecedented gridlock. Trump has some very good ideas that can benefit you and your family personally. Out of those four people, he is the best choice. We should give him an opportunity to lead and give him our vote on Tuesday. Well, thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light of the morning, I can see old glory